Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and Mazel Tov. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. See, aren't you proud of yourself? Someone's not happy. In case there was any confusion as to how good we are at predicting things, know this. If someone had told me that the words high and holy days might mean two different things legally, I would have said they were crazy. But here we are. So much so that I had a conversation this week with our synagogue president telling him that we need to develop a cannabis policy for the building. As in, I'm not joking, as in can people bring edibles in because apparently there's a kosher bakery in the city that will be opening, producing the stuff. Or how about electronic vaporizers for people with medical conditions? And the questions go on and on. Which is to say that the things that we are raised with, the ideas that become foundational in our lives, and how we understand the world, are subject to forces that were unimaginable a century or two ago. And it's not that things didn't change back then. They did. But it is to say that the extent and reach of the change was much smaller and much slower. For example, the French in the 18th century overthrew their king and set up a democratic republic. And next door in Germany, people were still enslaved as serfs to their local kings. Mechanical clocks were invented 900 years ago. But in, until the mid-1800s, people didn't pay attention to the hour of the day. And it was only until the First World War, when wristwatches were developed, that time as we understand it began to be used. That is a change of 800 years. Time was when people were born and then died thinking and believing and understanding the world that they lived in in the same way. In your life, I suspect that it is no different because I know it's true for mine. Some of the truths that I lived with at the age of 10 were nothing like what I had at the age of 20, which are nothing what I believe in now. And I see this in how I view sexual orientation, work choices, yes, marijuana, although it's going to take a lot of time to unwire 50 years of wiring. But because I'm a rabbi, and because I'm a rabbi, and it's Shabbat, and we're in shul, the other thing that has profoundly and noticeably changed over the course of my life is how I see religion and faith. Because for long years in my early life, I studied and learned a great deal about Judaism and then other religions too. But I'm not sure it would be fair to say that I thought a great deal about it. Because learning and thinking are two different things. If learning is about getting information, then thinking is learning how to use it. So this morning I want to show you religion in two ways, in two different lights. I want to show you the story of where we, the Jewish people, have come from through two different lenses through truth and through fact. Now they might seem to you to be two different things, or they might seem to be 
they might seem to you to be the two same things. But at the end of the morning, you're going to realize that they aren't. So facts first. Beginning about 150 years ago, a school of Protestant German biblical scholars developed what we call biblical criticism. It would be fair to say that their science developed as thoroughly anti-Semitic. It said that the Hebrew Bible is not the word of God, that it was the work of men, that it wasn't written by the hand of Moses on a mountain, but it was written over much time, with layers and layers of documents and historical memories in it. They said that the Israelites never existed, that the foundational story of the Jews was a fable created by Canaanite tribes. And needless to say, the Jews weren't happy with this. Biblical scholarship looked to threaten the belief in their chosenness, in the uniqueness and sanctity of our books and laws. It threatened the story that we have told ourselves at the Passover Seder table, at a bat mitzvah, at a bar mitzvah, and countless other moments of where we come from and who we are. After all, if it was just the work of people telling stories, then what makes this story different from any other story? It was German biblical criticism that led Karl Marx. Marx came from an Orthodox Jewish family to write that religion was the opiate of the masses. But we know that life is best played not as a sprint, but as a marathon. And some unusual things started coming to light when shovels began hitting the ground. The science of modern archaeology is at best 75 to 90 years old, and the great museums of the world like the Louvre, New York's Museum of Natural History, the Pergamon, are filled with artifacts from Egypt and Mesopotamia and Sumeria. But the better discoveries have only come to light in the past 40 years. And they reveal some stunning facts. They reveal that there was a series of settlements outside of modern-day Israel, where Syria is today, some 4,200 years ago. They were named Yakbiel, eerily, linguistically similar to the name Yaakov, Jacob. These settlements were semi-nomadic, largely non-agrarian, mostly shepherds. The Torah records that the Israelites were shepherds, and that's why the Egyptians who worshipped sheep hated them. We have records of settlements from two important sources, the archives of Mesopotamia to the north and Egypt to the south. And then, 700 years after that, 3,500 years ago from today, for some reason we still don't know, a large number of settlements pop up in northern and southern eastern Israel. Think of the mountainous areas around modern-day Jerusalem. The timing is eerily coinciding with the record of the Israelites leaving Egypt. These settlements had a unique camp structure unlike the native Canaanite ones. Their homes all open into a central courtyard. These settlements are distinguishable from Canaanite settlements for another reason. Archaeologists have never found pig bones in them, despite the fact that the pig was a staple of the Canaanite diet. The Egyptian records have a name for this people. They call them Israel. This morning we read of a story of a man named Abraham. We hear that he is commanded to leave his home 
and head out on a journey. And while we know nothing to little of this man, the facts resonate powerfully. In his native Mesopotamia, we have uncovered records of men with the name Abram, of women with the name Sarai. And we have to ask ourselves, why would our ancestors tell the story of a man and woman who lived thousands of miles from where they lived in distant Mesopotamia? The facts tell us people with these names lived. The facts tell us that we are descendant of wanderers. And our question for this morning is with these facts, what truths are waiting to be discovered? It is a question in need of an answer. And now we will search for it, first with prayer and then music. A little more thought for me. Everyone, please rise on page 368. So I had left you with a question, and the question was the difference between facts and truth. And in truth, the matter is, is that there is a profound difference between truth and facts. Facts is data about things. This happened here, that happened there, this weighs this much, and this costs that much. But truths are different because truths are about wisdom. Truths are about life. And in fact, something doesn't have to be factual in order to be true. The great Israeli writer Amos Oz even went so far as to say that the more factual something is, the less true it is. And I'll give you a perfect example. The love stories, the stories of sacrifice and pain that we read about and watch on the movies that we tell our children, that our parents told us, these stories very often aren't factual. But it doesn't diminish their truthfulness at all. And so I began this morning by sharing with you an idea about seeing religion in a factual way. And now I want to talk to you about religion as a truthful thing. Abraham, as we heard this morning, he is told to pick up and leave his home. This Abraham that we hear about comes from a place in Mesopotamia, modern-day northern Iraq. There are no school records of him. There is no wedding picture of him that we can say, oh, that's Abraham. But the truth of it is that while there are no facts, actual facts surrounding this particular Abraham, the truth about Abraham is the truth of your life of every person. When Abraham is called to pick up and leave his home, the Torah tells us that the name of where he is meant to go is never ever revealed. Abraham is sent off to a course, to a, dist a destination unknown. And as he heads out onto this journey, the truth of it, the ancient rabbi saw something else. And that is we are all called out into a journey. All of our lives are forever in motion. From the moment that you took your first breath in this world, God was calling you into a life that would lead you to something, hopefully of great promise. And whether or not you hear that, that is up to you. But Abraham heard that call. Now there are many stories of this kind of journey recorded throughout all of human life, but I'm going to share one with you. And it's a story of a personal hero of mine 
He is the great psychoanalyst and Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl. In the first book that he wrote, six days after leaving the concentration camp to Auschwitz, he wrote this story. After they were liberated, but few days, he walked outside of the gates and he walked into the countryside through the forests and he came across a marshy meadow. The sky was blue and the sun was shining and there were birds that were singing in the sky and the ground was filled with flowers. And at that moment, everything was so completely overwhelming to him, the beauty of it all. And then he fell to his knees. And he doesn't remember how long that he had collapsed to his knees. But he remembers thinking this. He remembers hearing the words of this particular psalm ringing in his ears. From the depths I called out to you, God, and you answered me in the free and open spaces. The facts of his life were all destroyed. His wife, his child, his mother, his father, his sister, his family, his community were all wiped out. But standing there at that moment in that beautiful open field, the truth called him to believe something else. That truth is that our lives are not based and should never be built upon the questions of why what I am, what I do, what I have. The truth of your life is based upon who. Who you are now and who will you become. We remember Abraham because the truth of his life is that he heard that call. We remember Viktor Frankl because he refused to forget it. The same should be for all of us. Shabbat Shalom.